And now, Nurse Talk, where laughter is the best medicine. Brought to you by National Nurses United. Casey and Shane are out on a house call. Today, you're listening to One from the Archives. Back next week with a fresh edition of Nurse Talk. I don't bake cookies. I hate to knit. I'm not the kind to babysit. I won't drink tea or change your child. I'm a granny, but I've gone wild. When it comes to love, it's a different story. Voulez-vous a night of glory? If you give me dinner, I'll go all night. Takes more than an hour to do it right. I have a life, and it's all mine. It lets me drink water. Welcome to Nurse Talk, where laughter is the best medicine. I'm Casey Hobbs. And I'm Shane Mason. And we are two of the thousands of nurses on duty today. That was the unmistakable voice of our favorite 80-year-old comedian, Lynn Ruth Miller. Granny's Gone Wild, the name of that beautiful melody we just played, is the theme song from Lynn Ruth's hit show by the same name. Nothing stops her, and this year she won first place honors at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. She'll be with us later in the show to share with us what it is to be 80 and traveling the world as a stand-up comedian, not to mention being 4'11", on a good day, and driving in the fast lane on a gloriously oblivious day. Yeah, Casey, it just shows you that laughter really is the best medicine, and it's not over until the 80-year-old granny sings. So, all kidding aside, what an inspiration. I I hope I'm that active when I'm even 40. Oh, Shane, there's so much out there, I don't think I even want to talk about it. But I do want to say a shout-out to anybody affected by the government shutdown. I do feel your pain. But since this is a show hosted by nurses, I would like to take this opportunity to salute the nurses out there today that are taking care of millions of patients all around the country. Your contributions and dedication to your patients deserve praise. You have answered a high calling, and you are challenged every day by our broken healthcare system. But that doesn't stop you from being there for your patients day in and day out. A big salute to all our fellow nurses out there. You are loved and appreciated even if you don't hear it that often. So that's very nice, Casey. And speaking of nurses, remember a few weeks ago when I asked you why you became a nurse? Well, it's your turn to ask me. I'm sure people are tuning in. They're dying just to hear about me, me, me. So I'm, I'm ready when you are. That's perfect, Shane. I almost forgot because, of course, it's not going to be about me. Right. We got so much mail about me last week. It was just so heartwarming. Let's see if people are interested in your story. I don't know if they will be. So, Shane, why did you become a nurse? Did you know at an early age you wanted to go into the profession? No, I didn't. I actually took a kind of an alternative career path. I was a musician for a long time. I spent seven or eight years uh, traveling full time as a musician all over the U.S., and decided to stop playing music. And then I just realized at that point that I needed to do something that was helpful to others. I I just wouldn't get out of bed if I went to go sell some widget or move some numbers around or something like that. So I got into working at group homes for um, emotionally disturbed adolescents because basically if you could uh, pass a background check and had a pulse, they would hire you to do that. Wow, Um, so you went from playing music to signing up in a group home. mm Mm-hmm. That's a huge change. Yeah, and then just wanted to expand my skill set, continue doing that sort of work, went back to school, and wanted to do something that basically enabled me to help people as, as much as possible, because otherwise I'll just I'll lay in bed all day. I won't go to work. Wow, you're amazing. You, so you're an only child. Uh, did you take care of your parents when you were younger? Did you have those caregiver, caretaker instincts back then? No, I... I don't I don't think so. No, you know, I didn't take care of my parents. I, you know, I grew up in a small town in Oklahoma, as I've talked about quite a bit here before. Um, And I just I saw a lot of different kinds of suffering growing up there. And I and I think there's something in me that just wants to try to mitigate that as much as possible. That's really nice. I could understand that coming from Oklahoma, that you'd see a lot of suffering. Why psych? And Uh, what's the best part of that job and the worst part? I would imagine the best part is that you got psych and the worst part is that you got psych. (laughs) Well, I I was going to be an ICU or an ER nurse, and then I just realized that I really don't like touching people I'm not sleeping with. And so... (laughs) (laughs) That's good, Shane. And what better place to be than psych? Because oftentimes they don't want to be touched. Right. And and for me, I think that a lot of psych issues... I mean, there's biochemical issues, but I think a lot of psych issues stem from... 
um, existential angst. And I've always been fascinated by that. And I feel like all of us have a shared commonality in that we don't know what the hell is going on. Like what is, even if you believe in God or have some sort of spirituality, I think everyone their, their doctrine differs. They're not exactly sure why we're here. I think that's the cause of a lot of suffering, including some of my own. Yes. And so it, it helps me connect and relate to, to people at that level. And, you know, Shane, I don't think people out there understand. If there's one nurse in my profession that I respect and uh, have a special fondness for more than any other nurse, it's the psych nurse, because I don't think most people know how hard it is to to be in that particular side of nursing. It's the side of nursing that nobody wants to talk about and that very few people want to go to. Also very hard to get doctors up in in, uh, psychiatric services. So my hat really goes off to you because that is one of the toughest places to be in nursing. And it's it's a very high calling. So would you recommend young people go into your profession? I would, re- I would recommend that young people go into my profession, but not for the reasons that I think are typical. I would agree. I, I would say, you know, I hear a lot of young nurses say that, you know, I just want to help people or I, that that's great, but that's not necessarily a reason to go through years and years of school and go wage war against a highly broken and complex system. I think that if you are going to go into this profession, it's a great thing to do, but only do that if you are willing to be a patient advocate, not just because you want to be a nurse, because the way things are changing, the way things are stacked against the healthcare uh, providers, if you are not an advocate, then you're going to get you're going to get um, demoralized, I think. That's right. Our profession is not for the weak at heart. Yeah. So, wow, that was kind of like a therapy session. Mm-hmm. I appreciate it. Yeah. Very cathartic to share my life with a few thousand people out there. Uh, So, Casey, we have a wonderful show today. Listeners, take note. The statistics regarding back injuries are frightening. Approximately 80% of adults are expected to experience back injuries in their lifetime, with 10% of those people re-injuring themselves. When it comes to healthcare professionals, the facts get even worse. (laughs) According to national statistics, six of the top 10 professions at greatest risk for back injury are nurses' aides, licensed practical nurses, registered nurses, health aides, radiology technicians, and physical therapists. Healthcare industry workers sustain 4.5 times more overexertion injuries than any other type of worker. And so why should you be concerned? Because if you're ever in the hospital and you need to be lifted or moved by hospital personnel, you really want to make sure that hospital has a lift team in place and the proper equipment to lift you. Marty Smith, RN Government Relations Lead for the California Nurses Association, will be here to talk about why hospitals are not complying with California's Safe Lift Bill, AB 1136, which was passed in January of 2012. And later, we'll have some fun with our friend and resident octogenarian, comedian Lynn Ruth Miller. We'll answer your email questions and the world-famous health trivia contest. We want to remind all of our listeners that soon you'll be able to interact with us live on Twitter and all the rest of that kind of stuff. We're really excited about that, so stay tuned for the details. But now, Casey, it's time for the Nurse Talk Top 10. This week, our top 10 comes from the Jokes About Nurses website. Imagine they have an entire website dedicated to this, Casey. Yes. Today's top 10 is Top 10 Reasons to Become a Nurse. Gotta love this one. Number 10, pays better than fast food, though the hours aren't as good, nor is the food. Yeah, number nine, fashionable shoes and sexy white uniforms. Oh my, eight, needles, tis better to give than receive. Number seven, reassure your patients that all bleeding stops eventually. (laughs) Number six, expose yourself to rare, exciting new diseases. (laughs) Number five, interesting aromas. Nice way to put that. Number four, courteous and infallible doctors who are who always leave clear orders in perfectly legible handwriting. I can't even get that out. It sticks in my throat. Number three, do enough charting to navigate around the world. Number two, celebrate all the holidays with your friends at work. And number one, take comfort that most of your patients survive no matter what you do to them. (laughs) You're listening to Nurse Talk. God forbid you need to go to the hospital, but if and when you do, don't you want to know you won't suffer an accident while you're there? An accident that's maybe worse than what put you there in the first place? We'll drop everything and Not listen. everything. <laughs> As our next guest, RN Marty White, tells us what you should know about the California Safe Lift Bill. We'll be right back with more Nurse Talk to come. Don't go away.
Wildfires burn millions of acres each year. And each year, wildland firefighters like Fire Chief James Hall battle to contain them. But they can't do it alone. A single ember that escapes from a wildfire can travel more than a mile. It can ignite and destroy your home, your community, or more. That single ember can be just as dangerous as the wildfire itself. But you can do something firefighters can't. You can act now to prepare your home and your community for wildfire. You can reduce the risk. Do your part. Go to fireadaptive.org. Get fire adapted. Learn what you can do now to reduce wildfire damage later at fireadapted.org. A public service message brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Learn more at fireadapted.org. Confusion ever someone or have sudden... Have you ever had sudden confusion, trouble speaking, or understanding someone? It could be one of the five signs of stroke. Sudden weakness or numbness of the face, arm, or leg. Sudden trouble with vision in one or both eyes. Suddenly having trouble walking or difficulty with balance. Or a sudden intense headache that comes out of nowhere. Don't wait. Call 911 immediately. Time lost is brain lost. Find out more at PowerToEndStroke.org. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Stroke Association, and the Ad Council. Can you tell if this burger contains bacteria that could cause kidney failure? Listen. You can't see it either. Use a food thermometer to be sure you've cooked meat and poultry to a bacteria-killing temperature. Raw or undercooked meat may contain bacteria that can make you very sick or worse. Roughly 3,000 Americans will die from food poisoning this year, but you can keep your family safer. Check your steps at foodsafety.gov. Brought to you by the USDA, HHS, and the Ad Council. Alrighty, mateys. Welcome to the ocean. I've sailed the seven seas a hundred times and found something I like even more than me treasure. Tis the ocean. Beautiful and clear. Right now, I'd be sailing over the Great Barrier Reef. It just shivers me timbers thinking of all the fish and coral below me. Wait, what's that floating by? The plastic bag! By Blackbeard's eye patch, that's disgusting. Why did you know that many of these things come from folks throwing them carelessly on the ground? It'd be true. Lend us a hand by always recycling and disposing of your trash properly. Boys, get the plank ready. Somebody's gotta dive in and get that bag. Any volunteers? All right, fine. I'll do it myself. Cannonball! Find out what you can do to help keep the oceans healthy at keepoceansclean.org. Brought to you by the Keep Oceans Clean Alliance and the Ad Council. I started going cold turkey. Well, at least when I'm in the car. I know I shouldn't do it, but it's so hard to stop. That's why I hide it from myself, so I won't be tempted. I used to do it all the time. I stopped by locking it in my glove compartment. My friend used to do it way too much. Now I turn it off when we're in the car. My solution is simple. I just don't do it. There are lots of ways to stop yourself and others from texting and driving. How will you stop? Tell us at stoptextstoprex.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. I have cheap insurance. They have something called the explanation of benefits, and I tried to read it. It's like an algebra equation. It's like if a train leaves Cleveland at 5 o'clock, traveling 180 miles an hour, and it hits you, you're not covered. <laughs> Welcome back to Nurse Talk, where laughter is the best medicine. Welcome back to Nurse Talk. I'm Casey Hobbs, along with co-host Shane Mason, and we are two of the thousands of nurses on duty today. The statistics regarding back injuries are frightening. Approximately 80% of adults are expected to experience back injuries in their lifetime with 10% re-injuring. When it comes to healthcare professionals, the facts get even worse. According to national statistics, six of the top 10 professions at greatest risk for back injury are healthcare professionals, such as nurses' aides, licensed practical nurses, registered nurses, health aides, radiology technician, and physical therapists. Healthcare industry workers sustain 4.5 times more overexertion injuries than any other type of worker. California's nursing workforce is aging, and at the same time, patient acuity and obesity are rising. Manual lifting can injure fragile patients by putting too much pressure on sensitive joints and compromised skin. In 
2011, California Governor Jerry Brown signed an important workplace safety bill to protect registered nurses and other health care employees from disabling injuries and safeguard patients from preventative falls. Although AB 1136, sponsored by California Nurses Association and National Nurses United, went into effect in January of 2012, some hospitals have not complied with the law and nurses and health care workers continue to struggle with unsafe lifting issues. Many of these hospitals have already been cited by Cal-OSHA for failing to comply with the correct staffing when lifting patients and by not providing the proper lift equipment. Additionally, it should be noted, hospitals that have lift teams in place have seen a significant drop in such injuries. Here to update us on the important issues of safe patient handling is RN Marty Smith from California Nurses Association Government Relations Division. Marty, welcome to Nurse Talk, and thank you so much for being with us today. Great to be here. Thanks. So, Marty, first, tell us a little bit about you. What do you do? I was a, be- I was a bedside registered nurse. Uh, for 18 years, working primarily in the emergency department and in the intensive care units. And about six years ago, I went to work for the California Nurses Association. I'm still nursing. I'm just nursing society as a whole. Uh, That's good. I kind of like that. And so you work (laughs) in the government relations division? Yes. Yes. So we're the folks that that monitor um, what's coming through the legislature and what's coming up regulatory-wise. So one of the reasons that RNs still have a scope of practice is because we have government relations division that kills bills that would take it away from us, that would that would expand uh, unlicensed uh, personnel's scope into what really should be the, the domain of the registered nurse. And what I like about it, too, Marty, is let's be real. Most of these people writing these bills aren't nurses and aren't necessarily consulting nurses. So sometimes I would imagine the bills don't make much sense. Right, and they're and they're just um, you, you read them and you're like, this is just completely illogical. And when if it were to go into effect, it would just be absolute chaos. And more importantly, would be dangerous for the patient. Yes. Yeah, I bet. So, Marty, uh, AB 1136 went into effect in January of 2012. Uh, why aren't hospitals complying, and what percentage aren't complying? Well, hospitals tend to be a little bit um, arrogant. Mm. And when this bill came through, they decided to act as if the bill's intent was, you just have to train people, and you don't have to have a lift team. You have to train people, and everyone will be the lift team. So it was, it was actually rather ironic. Several hospital systems, such as Kaiser and University of California, actually laid off their lift teams after this bill went into effect. Oh, gosh. That's painful. Yeah, and the, yeah it was painful. <laughs> the places I've been where there's lift teams, I can tell you that the nurses there are so happy. They feel safer, um, and they feel supported by management when they put in a safe lift well, team. Well, also, I would imagine, Marty, that their costs come down. This is the part that, that really is silly for me about hospitals. If you have a safe lift team, that means you're not going to have the back injuries that you sustain otherwise. And as we all know, back injuries can be very expensive to the employer. Right, right, and um, and you know while you know while of course it's not our our organization's mandate to think about the employer's bottom line, um, it it actually really does dramatically reduce their bottom line because of you know the decrease in leaves of absence and workers' comp claims, not to mention their insurance premiums. But you know more importantly, patients are safer safer yes. because nurses aren't working injured and they're less likely to drop or mishandle patients. Yeah. Well, and that's the the worst. Now, I, you know this sounds terrible, but I have been in, involved in a lift in which we did drop the patient, and there you feel absolutely horrible when that occurs. And what's really terrible is it, it's preventable. And I know it's not our job to worry about their bottom line, but at the same time, when you sell something to them, if you can increase their bottom line, so much the better. That's the hard part for me is I can't figure out why more hospitals wouldn't in, have lift teams. Seems so exactly. silly. Exactly. And so, Marty, although it, it does seem obvious, what are some of the dangers for nurses and patients when these hospitals don't comply and ensure proper staffing and equipment? Well, I mean, obviously patients are going to fall and mm-hmm. they're going to get injured. Mm-hmm. Staff is going to be injured. Um, you know, nurses have a higher rate of injury than construction workers. Um, you know, I personally, one of my motivations for leaving the bedside was severe back arthritis. I just had shoulder surgery in June. 
after uh, 10 years after I had a shoulder injury from lifting a patient. Um, and so the experienced nurses um, can't last. Exactly you know, I had to leave correct. the bedside when I was in my early 40s. And, um, you know, one of the nurses that testified before the Cal OSHA board actually said their workplace safety team at Kaiser had said nurses should not work in the inpatient setting for more than 10 years. Wow, and that's sad. What's really sad about this, Marty, is we have the technology to make this better, and we're not doing it. So what kind of equipment are we talking about that a lift they team have, can use? It's kind of amazing what they have these days. Um, I was talking to a nurse yesterday from UCLA who had a group of Asian nurses come out from Japan to observe them, and they were amazed that we still actually do lifts at all. Wow. Because, you know, Japan is the techno hub of the world. They don't do any lifting at all, but there are beds that will turn into chairs and that wow. will actually completely lift the patient up into a standing position wow. with the touch of a button. There are ceiling overhead lifts for patients. There are motorized um, beds so that, you know, instead of pushing a 300-pound patient in a 200-pound pa- bed down a, a carpeted hallway, you can have the motor do most of the work. That's incredible. There are, yeah, there are just and thousands what's in- of these devices. What's incredible, Marty, I got to just say. Japan has this technology, and yet, let's be real, they're not as obese as Americans are. So it's really hard for me when I know this technology is out there and we're not using it. It makes sense for everybody. So what's being done to ensure hospitals in California comply with AB 1136? Well, we're, in the, we're, we're at the, towards the end of the regulatory process with CalOSHA. So the law went into full effect January 1st, 2012, but CalOSHA had to write regulations to enforce the law. Um, now, you know, hospitals have still been cited in the meantime for not um, complying with the actual letter of the law as it was written. But now there are going to be very strict, um, comprehensive guidelines that will give CalOSHA more, um, more teeth to enforce the law. And then, of course, the nurses are well aware of what the law says, and they're rising up within their hospitals and demanding compliance by, by hospital management. It, it makes so much sense, and especially when we have literature or, or evidence out there to show that nurses really can't sustain this job, bedside nursing, for more than 10 years safely. That's that's a scary statistic. Yeah, between disability and high staff turnover, you would think that this would just be better for everyone involved. So, so have you seen the technology that they're using in Japan? Do we have any of it out here? You know, I think there's there's there are some of... There are some things out here. Um, I know before, even before I left the bedside six years ago, uh, we had beds in the ICU that would convert to chairs and help in, and actually lift patients up into a standing position. Um, and I don't know why we don't have that in every room in every hospital in the country. I don't know either because it makes so much sense. Maybe, right. maybe they're really expensive, but still, if they did the numbers, one back injury, I'm sure, would pay for two or three of those beds. And especially in your more intense areas where ICU, where people aren't as mobile, even more important to have those kinds of beds in place. Exactly. Now, anything else you'd like to share, Marty? Um, I think that's it. I mean, we are just going to keep moving ahead with trying to make a safer environment in hospitals for staff and for patients. And we really appreciate the the time you spent on the subject. Great. So we really appreciate it. We've been talking with RN Marty Smith, Labor Representative for California Nurses Association. For more information on this topic or any others, visit nnu.org or nursetalksite.com. Marty, we really appreciate it. Thanks for all your help being a nurse. And uh, we'd like to have you back on sometime. Great. I look forward to it. Thank you. Thank you. We'll be right back with more Nurse Talk to come. Don't go away. Go, Caleb! Come on, hit a homer, Jesse. Let's go, guys. Hey, did you guys know that kids who play sports earn more money when they grow up? <laughs> of course. I, I knew that. Hey, did you guys know that kids who read books have a bigger vocabulary? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Wow, Jinx. (laughs) Did you guys know that friendly children have more friends? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. That's true. I knew that. Did you guys know that winter babies are better at music? Everyone knows that. Oh, yeah? Yeah, It's pretty obvious. Yeah, Yeah. so obvious. Oh, hey, guys, did you know that most people think they're using the right car seat for their kid, but they're not? Huh, I didn't know that. I'm pretty sure I knew that. I'm pretty sure you didn't. Parents who really know it all 
Know for sure that their child is in the right car seat at the right age and size. Visit safercar.gov slash the right seat to make sure your child is protected. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. When I have an asthma attack, I feel scared. It's like tiny nails in the air poke my lungs. I start to cough. Sometimes I, my parents have to take me to the hospital. Today, one out of 13 children suffer from some form of asthma, accounting for nearly one-third of all emergency room visits. I feel like I'm choking. It's kind of like an elephant is on my chest. A little whistle sound comes out when I breathe. But while your child may suffer from asthma, asthma doesn't have to make your child suffer. There are simple ways you can prevent your child's next attack. To learn more, call 1-866-NO-ATTACKS. That's 1-866-662-8822. Log on to www.noattacks.org or call your doctor. Because even one attack is one too many. I feel like a fish with no water. Brought to you by the EPA, the Ad Council, and this station. Far from the city where the Lorax roams free is the home of a magical truffle of trees. They grow happy and healthy and thick as you please, just waiting for visits from yous and from me's. Whoa. In a place you will love with things you'll adore us, it's a magical spot. We call it the forest. Look, everyone here needs the trees. And who are you? Wait, wait, I'm, I'm the Lorax. Guardian of the forest. I speak for the trees. Visit the animals. Come see the plants. From the mighty sequoia to the tiniest ants. Discover its beauty. Take time to relax. See brown barbalutes or even the Lorax. I feel so alive. <laughs> I just like hearing you say it. The forest is there for you to explore. So come once to see it, then come back lots more. Visit discovertheforest.org. This message has been brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Nurse Talk, where laughter is the best medicine. Shane, I think you have sinusitis. Casey, you cannot diagnose, treat, or prescribe. Ugh, the bane of my existence, but you can as an NP, so what's the matter with me? Verbal diarrhea. Oh! Give me a second opinion. You talk too much. Oh, my <laughs> goodness. We cannot prescribe, diagnose, or treat, but Shane can, and it always hurts. <laughs> In my day, safety was your responsibility. You either held tight or you went through the windshield. Now it's time for In My Day with comedian Lynn Ruth Miller. Sit back and enjoy a walk down memory lane with a twist of spice included. And now, In My Day. In my day, honey was the most used product in my mother's medicine cabinet besides vinegar and the rectal thermometer. If I had muscle cramps, she made me take two teaspoons of honey with my meals and told me to stop complaining. If I had a sore throat, she gave me tea with lemon and honey, fever or not, and she told me to stop complaining. My mother used honey instead of alcohol to sterilize cuts and open wounds because it didn't sting. If her skin felt dry, she made up a poultice of eggs, flour, and honey and used it as a hand lotion. I can still remember her shaking my teacher's hand, and both of them had to teach the rest of the class. In the late 40s, I had to deal with acne, and Mama rubbed honey on my face and covered the pimples with Band-Aids overnight and told me to quit complaining. By morning, my skin was smooth and clear, a little stiff, but smooth and clear. She told me not to smell the flowers. Why? She never explained that one. My father had a very touchy tummy, and mother made him swallow a spoonful of honey every day to calm his intestine and stop his complaining. If one of us got a burn, she always used honey to soothe it, and if we were tired, she gave us honey to pep us up. Why? So we'd stop complaining. When my sister came home from summer camp with worms, I was delighted. I didn't get to go to summer camp. Mama mixed honey with vinegar and made her drink it. Why? To get rid of the worms. She was fine within the week. Ben Franklin said, nothing but money is sweeter than honey, but he wasn't Jewish. We were. That was before he wandered around with a kite and a key and gave us electricity. All that honey stopped our complaining, but not my mother's. She complained so much that when she died, we thought we'd all gone deaf. 
I guess you had to be there. These days, I just take Xanax. The hell with honey. I'm Lynn Ruth Miller with another edition of In My Day. Welcome back to Nurse Talk. I'm Casey Hobbs along with Shane Mason, and we are two of the thousands of nurses on duty today. Well, Casey, you know the old adage, when all else fails, laugh, or is it laugh and the world laughs with you? Uh, Whatever it is, our next guest has literally made a joke out of her life. (laughs) Lynn Ruth Miller is a frequent guest of ours, and this week she celebrates her 80th birthday. For someone who stands at 411 per her last doctor's visit, this grandma packs a wallop and a room with her sometimes (laughs) off-color humor, her jokes about aging, and her completely insane look on life. Lynn Ruth Miller, welcome back to Nurse Talk. Since we last spoke, you are you have literally been around the world and back. You're right. You're right. And I'm traveling. I'm going. I'm going south this time. I'm going to be in Puerto Vallarta. I can't wait. I took. A, I took. I'm going to go there over Christmas, and I'm going to teach them how the Jews celebrate Christmas. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Which I think is Chinese food, isn't it? Isn't that what we do? Yeah. So Puerto yes. Vallarta is the next stop. But when did you start your stand-up career, Lynn Ruth? When I was 71, Casey, you know that. <laughs> when I was 71, I ran out of jokes, and I looked online, and I saw there was a, commu- there was a, a comedy college in San Francisco, and I thought, oh, I'm really good at college. So I called up the guy, and he heard my voice, just as you're hearing my voice, and he called back and he said, I just love small Jewish women. <laughs> yeah, so That's how I got my scholarship. <laughs> so... You're That's, the an, truth. That's how I did it. Definitely a non-traditional uh, student for sure, huh? What did you do before you started stand-up? I, I wrote columns. Um, I wrote I wrote novels that nobody read. Mm-hmm. I um, I failed pretty much. <laughs> oh, really? So <laughs> now you pretty do much what I did. Yeah, that you, was my career for some time. Failure. Yeah. Yeah, I was good at it. <laughs> it makes for good comedy. Yeah, so you do a regular segment on Nurse Talk called In My Day, and you often share about your mother's home remedies, and it sounds kind of scary. Your mom sounds like she tried to poison the whole family. How much of that is real and how much is made up? Well, it's it's a combination of my grandma and my, and my mother and my imagination. <laughs> um, my mother was uh, a professional a hypochondriac. I, like, I was a professional failure. My mother was a professional hypochondriac. Uh, once a month, she and her two sisters would put on their corsets and their high heels and six layers of makeup and, and would go to see the doctor, whose name was Dr. Fink. That was his name. And they would, um, they would, they would list all their aches and pains and and all their upsets and he would give them little pink pills and say you'll be fine and they would do that once a month that was their that was their special thing so they my mother always had uh, something wrong whatever it was it could have been the weather it could have been my disposition but there was always something wrong there was always something wrong with my mother so i sort of took some of the crazy things that between dr fink and my mother and and i came up with uh and i put them together with my vivid imagination and came up with things like, um, like, like what, what we made a poultice. I, I, I yeah. know I did one where we made a poultice. We smeared it all over. We smeared it all over ourselves. And, and then my aunt Hazel, my aunt Hazel, uh, he ran away to Texas and found my uncle Jack. That was what happened. <laughs> okay. I don't remember what the poultice was. I mean, the vinegar was it's honey, I think. Almonds. Almonds and honey. Okay. It was. So, Lynn Ruth, we actually got this from a listener. Dear Miss Miller, while I love your In My Day series, I find myself feeling sad for you. You talk a lot about being left alone while your mom went out, and you always talk about drinking alcohol at a very early age, maybe five or six. <laughs> Is that true? That's my imagination. The first time, other than in college, in college, I have to say, uh, when I went to a party, I mainlined it. But after college, <laughs> I didn't touch alcohol until I was 73. Oh, but now right. I'm making up for it. Yeah, how's that going for you now? Yeah, it's going. Well, it's going very well. So, <laughs> so. It's going very well. And the more I drink, the better it seems to go. Yeah, well, uh, what being... is the saying? The older I know, the older I am, the better I was. That's, yeah. that's pretty much what's going on now. So uh, we have some other questions for you. What what inspires you to do this? And in, in are there other comedians or other people that inspire you? Um, I'm I, I'm an achiever. No matter what I start out to do, I, w- I keep doing it until I think I'm doing it well. And stand-up comedy is difficult. Uh, it's difficult because I'm talking to an audience that my major audiences are in their 20s and 30s. 
and and it is a it is it is a world that I'm really not in touch with. Yeah. I'm aware of it. I understand it because I I know them and I know these people. But so I'm trying to to tune in to the ridiculousness of their lives as well as as mine. Uh, so it's a challenge, and I haven't mastered it yet. And that's pretty much what keeps me going. Uh, other comedians sometimes because mostly uh the comedy i find um the comedy here will make me laugh the comedy in england didn't much make me laugh because uh, i was i was talking to this uh, judge we were judging the san francisco international um con- uh, comedy contest and he was saying there's only one language for each country and it's really true for example uh they call in england they call people from india asians and of course, my joke is, you call them Asians, we call them to fix our computer. But but they call them <laughs> Asians, and and they're 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 um, kissing is snogging. I think that's a disgusting term. They have but but words are different, and they have different intonations. And comedy depends on nuance and double entendre. So you, know, you have a lot of. What, uh, I have that, to work with that. Lynn that's Ruth. one thing. That's what, hmm. What do you think about modern medicine? Have you ever practiced yoga or done meditation or anything? No, I think yoga is disgusting, and meditation <laughs> is something I never do. You know me, Casey. I've never been quiet for more than a minute and a half. And what and, do you think of modern I'm medicine? Agony, then I'm, I'm really I'm worried. <laughs> and if mod- I'm quiet for two minutes, I'm sick. I, That's I hear when that. I know I'm sick. I hear but, that. Uh, I do believe in homeopathic. Uh, is it homeopathic? I believe in natural remedies. I really do. In my day, is uh, not that far off the mark. Uh, I believe that 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 uh, illness, much of illness, much of illness. I want to be careful when I say this. Is choice, uh, because as as you know, I was very very sick uh, in my thirties, and I just made up my mind to get well, and I. I believe that, I shouldn't say that, much of your reaction to illness is choice, much. Some of it is unavoidable, but I think that our bodies want to get well, and I think our bodies work to get well, and I think that if we allow them to, and we don't dope them up with a lot of medication, they will get well. However, modern medicine has made great progress, and that's why many of us, including me, are alive. So I don't want to negate that at all. But I think that it's it's all a matter of taking control of your body, knowing that that you have to be in charge of your body. That 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 the doctor doesn't know everything. The doctor isn't you, but 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 Thank it's goodness. a cooperative thing when you go. Uh, medicine with your, yeah. your caregivers and your, your, your nurses and your doctors. It's a cooperative thing. I think that's good advice. So l- let me ask you, do you have any advice for our listeners who are in their 50s and 60s and beyond about following their passion, um, yes. following their dreams? Yes. Uh, I'll give you a quote because I think it's an important one. Do what you love best and do it with all your heart. The woods would be very silent if the only birds who sang were those who sang best. That's nice. <laughs> who Who wrote that? I don't know some some guy. <laughs> <laughs> I know that guy. <laughs> some some man. So, it's amazing to me that a man could write something like that, but he did. Yeah. Well, well what role? <laughs> we, we allow men some success. Thank you. So, what role <laughs> does laughter play in your life? Everything. Yeah. Laughter. My life changed once I started doing comedy. My whole life changed. I think that the core, the core of 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 a good, healthy, happy life. I think that core is realizing that you, as a human being, are are important. And the one thing you have to give to the world, and the one thing that is, is what comes from you. You are unique. And I think that to scratch the idea that I want to be like everyone else or do what someone else did, I want to be me. Because me is the one thing the world doesn't have. And if every one of us believe that, we'll be so much richer that's... It's, it's a matter of liking who you are and respecting it and respecting others' right. That's so true, Lynn Ruth. So you're coming up on your 80th birthday. We want to wish you a happy birthday. Thank you. Thank you. And as where where can people find you? Where are you going to be? All over. <laughs> I'm <laughs> going to be at a Grape in the Fog. That's 400 Old County Road at, on October 11th from 7 to 9. And then I'm going down to 11th Street to the DNA Lounge, and I'm taking off my clothes. That's what I tend to do. Will the police and, be and there? That's at, uh, Hubba Hubba, the Hubba Hubba Review. Oh, cool. Uh, and the theme is evil, and I'll fit right into that. And then um, the next day I'm driving up to Fresno, and I'm part of the Valley Burlesque. 
and I'm doing the cabaret that won the big prize in Edinburgh. I won the Toast Award in Edinburgh. Wow. So Can you do me a favor, Lynn Ruth, and just drive in the slow lane on your way to Fresno? Yeah, now I'm going to zoom along in the slow lane. Um, And then then I'm going to come back and go to Santa Cruz uh, to headline at the Crow's Nest. And do you have a website? I do have a website, and it's on there. What is it? uh, The stuff is on there. Uh, com. Very good. Always a pleasure to have you, Lynn Ruth. Thank you. It's a pleasure to hear your voice and to, and, to, and to talk to both of you. Thank you so much for having me on Nurse Talk. Of course. We've been talking with comedian Lynn Ruth Miller. If you live in the Bay Area, make sure to check out her stand-up comedy and visit her website at lynnruthmiller.com. More to come on Nurse Talk. Stay tuned for health trivia and email questions. Can you tell if these vegetables are being contaminated with bacteria that could cause paralysis? Listen. You can't see it either. Use different cutting boards so that the bacteria in raw meats and seafood and their juices doesn't touch prep surfaces for other foods like veggies. Raw food may contain bacteria that can make you very sick or worse. Roughly 3,000 Americans will die from food poisoning this year, but you can keep your family safer. Check your steps at foodsafety.gov. Brought to you by the USDA, HHS, and the Ad Council. Check out my new time machine. Does it work? Hit the button. Hey, it's Napoleon. Oui. Check out the future. Hey, you have a nice house. Why don't I? You didn't save any money, buddy. If only there was a way I could go back in time and fix that. Yeah. Save something for the future. Put away a few bucks. Feel like a million bucks. For free ways to save, go to feedthepig.org. That's feedthepig.org. This message brought to you by the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants and the Ad Council. I'm working two jobs, and my husband works two. My kids go to school with your kids. I'm one out of every six Americans, and my family is struggling with hunger. I believe in this country, but it's hard to believe so many Americans have to choose between paying bills and feeding families. Visit feedingamerica.org and find your local food bank. Every dollar you donate helps provide seven meals for those struggling with hunger. Together, we're Feeding America. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. So when you get to the corner of Smith and Orchard, you're going to want to take a you left. You are not going to Then what you're going to do is turn Marcy, onto Marcy Avenue. just broke up. And go past and the first three lights happy and then it. take the next left. I don't really think five she's more happy, blocks but and you should be who there. am I to judge, right? Park anyway, on the right. That's I'll what see I heard you later last tonight. night. It's hard to concentrate on two things at once, like texting and driving. Stop the text. Stop the wrecks. How will you stop texting and driving? Tell us at stoptextstoprex.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Nurse Talk, where laughter is the best medicine. Oh, it's me this time? <laughs> it's the disclaimer. Oh, the disclaimer. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Yeah, the disclaimer, folks. So the disclaimer, <laughs> let me just find it here. All right, I got it. And we're very serious about this crap, too. Very serious. So all materials relating to healthcare trivia are the sole responsibility of Nurse Talk LLC. It's not affiliated with any network or stream service airing our program. So if we tell you something that kills you, it's solely and our fault. And it's not fault. our fault. <laughs> no, it's all our fault. No, it's their <laughs> fault. So you hear that <laughs> you hear that heartbeat and you know it's time for our health trivia question this week. And the question this week is Seckel syndrome is better known as what? This is horrible. A gargoyalism, <laughs> B bird-headed dwarfism, C mule-faced goonism, and D leprechaunism. You're always off to be lucky charms. And if you Man. think we made this up, we didn't. There is actually a Seckel syndrome, and it is one of these uh, answers. So if you know the right answer, so, so wait, it's give gar- us a call. I'll, I'll read them again okay, okay. at 1-800-977-1863, or you can email us the right answer to contest at nursetalksite.com. So it's Seckel syndrome, S-E-C-K-E-L, and the choices are A, gargoyalism, B, bird-headed dwarfism, C, mule-faced goonism, and D, leprechaunism. So since, okay, so we know one of these is the right answer. So that means that there is someone out there that is a gargoyle, a leprechaun, a bird-headed dwarf, or a mule-faced goon. Which is very sad. 
that that there is somebody out there with all those those things and there's yeah. more than one yeah, of each of these individuals one. and what's sad is that this is what they name these things we couldn't come up with a better name than mule-faced goonism and they're probably all related i'm sure this is genetic so their support system are a bunch of mule-faced goons too oh that's a sad situation and gargoyles i love gargoyles yeah, but cool. i'm glad my family wasn't part of that that family. <laughs> Last week's question, a fetus acquires fingerprints at what age? Three weeks, three months, two months, or five months? Do you know the answer, Shane? I, I, I didn't know the answer to this. I, I did not either. It's good to know because I want to find my next accomplice. Yes. Okay. So the answer is three months, which is surprising to me. Fingerprints, and this was very surprising, are actually created by fetal movements. As the young fetus moves within the uterus, its skin shifts, forming the ridges of its fingertips. This is the reason why no two people have the same fingerprints, even identical what? twins. Just the movement in that. Isn't that incredible? But and why, why does that... the movement only affect your little fingertips? Why don't I have fingerprints on my face? Well, because I don't think your head moves quite as much as your little fingers do when you're in the womb. So Janie Cause was the winner. Janie listens to Nurse Talk on Progressive Voices. Tune in. Thanks for listening, Janie. And thanks for being smart because I would never would have figured out that three-month thing. Yeah, between that and the... The gargoyle mule. I know. The it's hard. getting weird. All right, so Casey, <laughs> it's time for email questions. Okay, yeah, I'm going to... I'm going to... That's right. We got mail. I'm going to take the first one, Shane. All right. Because it's near and dear to my heart. Nurse Talk... Nurses, I'm writing about my wife. She is 57 years old. That's my age, and I hope this wasn't uh, my partner who wrote this. Active and very healthy. In the past three to four years, she has begun to display signs of Alzheimer's. Periods when her memory almost completely fails her. She's lethargic. She seems confused. Her motor skills seem temporarily stunted. We've had conversations about the memory loss, but if I suggest that it may be anything more than that, then she she shuts down. I'm sure that this is scary and embarrassing for her. She is currently taking a hypothyroid medication and antihistamines daily. Is she even old enough to have something like this? Could it be something else? I've heard that there are many forms of dementia. I would like more information about Alzheimer's and dementia. What causes them? And can they be prevented or reversed? Thank you. So first off, I've got to say, you know... I myself, I have um, dementia and Alzheimer's. Both my parents suffered from dementia and my mother had Alzheimer's. So it's a concern for me. And I will say as someone whose memory isn't as sharp as it used to be, it's always a worry. But some of these things that he mentions in this, and I assume it's a he, periods when her memory almost completely fails. Okay, she's lethargic, not necessarily an Alzheimer's symptom, seems confused, and her motor skills seem temporarily stunted. So to me, that suggests another answer other than Alzheimer's. There are more than 50 conditions that can cause or mimic the symptoms of dementia. So you definitely want to have a workup for her. A small percentage of dementias are reversible. Symptoms subside when underlying problem is treated. Two common examples of dementia caused can be caused by vitamin B12 deficiencies or an underactive thyroid. We already know she's getting thyroid replacement. So I would say to you, go back to your doctor, do some blood work because maybe the thyroid medication isn't adjusted correctly, which could mimic some of these symptoms. Um, but I really don't think your wife's exhibiting symptoms of Alzheimer's. Yeah, and don't rule out the possibility that you could be married to a gargoyle. (laughs) Or somebody who has the goonism problem, and you're just now discovering it at 57 years old. (laughs) All right, so... (laughs) Or maybe he's a goonism, and he's, you know, projecting all the symptoms. (laughs) All right, so... But I, I will say that Alzheimer's and dementia is very difficult, and there's lots of information out there about it. Alzheimer's is a type of dementia, and it's a very specific type and has some specific features to it. But there's lots of information out there if you're interested in reading. But really, get your wife to the doctor and have her thyroid level checked, because I think maybe that's more what we're looking at. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. So uh, question number two, dear Nurse Talk nurses, I am plagued with constipation. Let's stop right there. (laughs) I feel very sorry for you. And you might even be a truck driver because Uh, that's a hard problem with truck drivers. So there's not a day I don't wish for a good case of diarrhea. (laughs) I know that sounds awful, but that's the scoop. No pun intended there. such clever writers. (laughs) What causes constipation (laughs) and what is it really? Everyone says I'm not drinking enough water. Is that true? Love your show and love being anonymous about my condition. 
This is a uh, codename TH in uh, sunny Southern California. <laughs> and unfortunately, we keep hearing the bathroom sound. That's what he wants to hear more of. Yeah. And he's not hearing enough yeah, of the bathroom sound. Yeah, we're just torturing this poor person right now. So constipation can be a real problem for a number of reasons. That not get enough water thing. Yes, sometimes that, that can be a culprit. Constipation is defined medically as fewer than three poops per week and severe constipation as less than one stool per week. Yeah. And, you know, I have had patients come in to me that say they only poop once a week, which is hard to believe. Yeah. No pun intended on the hard. So Uh, this is usually caused by slow uh, movement of stool through the colon. So motility. Yeah. There's a lot of things that you can do. Definitely increase your water intake. You want to increase your fiber intake, but you want to do that slowly. Otherwise, it's just going to make things worse. And if you have constipation, I, I find with constipation a lot of fiber because people are big on fiber, but fiber can can tend to constipate you if you get too much of it. Yeah. So be careful about that. So you can get a fiber uh, supplement, but just start at a low dose. And I mean, vegetables, food is the ideal thing. But if you're not going to do that and you can be honest with yourself, then get a fiber supplement and start at the low end dose of it and take that, you know, every morning. Drink lots and lots of water. Uh, You want to go get checked out as well. There are some medical conditions that can cause this. You definitely want to get checked out on this because constipation can mean slow motility in your bowel, which can be treated. So you want to get it checked out. And I know it's embarrassing to go to the doctor and talk about the fact that you're constipated. But over the course of time, you can get hooked up on laxatives. And then it can be the kind of thing where you can't go unless you have a laxative. So please, I say go to the doctor. This is a time you want to go and have some studies done, uh, barium enema amongst other studies, to find out the health of your bowel. Yeah, water, fiber, exercise is a great place to start. Go get a checkup to make sure everything's okay. A lot of times people go through periods of constipation and then they... uh, they it, this resolves and then they are just moving right along and being more mobile also helps. But remember that uh, colon cancer, I do believe, is the number two killer of women. So colonoscopies after the age of 50 is an important thing to do, especially if you are prone towards constipation or constipation and diarrhea back and forth. Definitely get your colonoscopies out there. And I'm 57 and haven't had one. And Shane's already had one. So I got to get out there and get to it. I had a colonic. Oh, that's right. You I had, a have a colonic. Col- I had a colonic. That's right. You I did that. I did it to myself. Like I was just, you know, it wasn't like we should probably do this. I was like, oh, let's go check it out. And actually, a colonic's not a bad thing as well for someone who's experiencing constipation issues. Not a bad problem. All right, we're being told enough, enough butt <laughs> enough stuff of the butt stuff by the producer. And I, I get it. I get it. I do. <laughs> a special thanks to the California Nurses Association and National Nurses United for their support of Nurse Talk, and thank you to our guests. To learn more about today's topics, visit nursetalksite.com or nationalnursesunited.org. A big thank you to our executive producer Patty Lockard, sound engineers James Morey and June Miller. Tanya McCallum, Communications Director, and Taylor Lockard, Social Networking. Remember, laughter is the best medicine. To laugh, you got to listen. We love you out there. Please come back next week. Have a good week. Thanks for listening to Nurse Talk, where laughter is the best medicine. Brought to you by National Nurses United. Check us out on Facebook or go to our website at nursetalksite.com. For more information about National Nurses United and the California Nurses Association, visit nationalnursesunited.org. Until next week, remember, laughter is the best medicine.